Alternative Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. We're back again, this time with a very strange theory slash conspiracy. Today we'll be talking about the mud flood theory, or the mud flood conspiracy, depending upon what words you like to use, I suppose. This is a pretty new one. Fairly new, yes. Weird. A bit uh, convoluted at times. And I wasn't able to find one explanation. There was always many explanations that was that were far-reaching and were convoluted a lot of the time. It, it's Yeah, it's very disjointed, um, the theory, because there's this kind of like, okay, there's all this, there's the architecture aspect of it, there's the idea of some worldwide reset, but then yet they focus on this place, Tartaria. Uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing's just kind of like all over the place, and not one part of it seems to make a whole lot of sense. Or at least it's opinion. not all connected in a way that it's yeah. easy to make sense of. Yeah, the, like, okay, this led to this, which led to this, which connects here. Like, no, it's very, very disjointed and just all over the place. I just, I'm like, okay. <laughs> the basic idea behind the mud flood theory is that the past 1,000 years of history or so that we've all been taught is bullshit. The chronology that we know is wrong we as you've a heard of sp- fake news yeah this, this is, is fake, fake history, history. <laughs> yeah we as a species are back further than we should be because of this mud flood this loss of technology this loss of knowledge a mud flood is pretty much what it sounds like. It's a flood that's of mud. It covers everything, it destroys things, and it, according to the people that believe it, is the reason that we are where we are now. Sometimes it's a local thing, so it just happens in a local area. Sometimes they talk about it as in a a worldwide thing, sort of like the biblical flood or any of the other floods, you know, we've spoken about in the past. As far as I can tell, it really doesn't have, like, the flood itself isn't a huge part of it. It's kind of mainly about the loss of technology, the loss of knowledge, and the loss of of people. And other things, too, that are, are not people. Because giants are a thing that is part of this. People believe that the giants are being hidden, their bones are being hidden, and it's these these mud floods that everything's just covered in mud, so you can't find it anymore. Well, I mean, mud is pretty hard to find stuff in. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> Evidence of this theory comes in the forms of architecture, landscape, and old stories not adding up. Land formations are a big thing that people point to as evidence of mud floods. In America and in many other places around the world, there's these oddly shaped mounds that are found. Uh, We spoke about these mounds 
in our Giants episode, actually. They, there was a, a Native American group called the Mound Builders that were thought to, well, in the chronology we're, that we are taught, we're, we're building these things for some reason, burial or whatever. Proponents of this theory believe is that the mud is, these are hiding stuff that humans have made or remains of giants. So maybe in Washington State, there's this place called the Channeled Scablands. I've actually gone camping into the southern portion of those things. It's a, um, a Potholes State Park and near Othello, Washington. Pretty cool place. But you can see in some areas where it looks like buildings of mud or buildings of rock. So it seems like it could be a city if maybe you just saw a silhouette of it or something. It would look like a city landscape. Well, mm -hmm. they believe that places like this are actually where technology or buildings were hidden left uh, not so much hit, but hidden by the mud and not dug back up to keep the knowledge away from us okay yeah i mean it's some people talk about like a controller that is controlling everything and somehow the controller is involved with not wanting us to have knowledge Architecture is another thing that people point to as a as evidence of this theory. Similarities in structures being constructed at the same time and cities laid out similarly are a couple of things people grab onto. They'll say this building was built in America and there is this other building built in like say Russia and this other building say built in Brazil and they all have similar architecture or almost identical architecture but there's no way they could have spread that knowledge so quickly. And so that is another thing that points to the timeline being off. These buildings were built actually in different times, but we're told they're built at the same time. Or it was built in a time where we actually did have the shared knowledge because we were more advanced, but now we've been reset. Exactly. Also, they latch on to things taking a long time to construct, but not being in use for very long. An example of this is something called the Des Moines Rapids Canal. Construction was started in 1866, completed in 1877, and then only remained in use for 36 years. This canal was 12 miles long, and it bypassed the rapids in that area uh, on the Mississippi River. The rapids made it so steamboats would have to unload all of their shit, and then, so they were light enough to go down the rapids, and then all of their shit would have to be moved over land to where it was deep enough and less rapid so they could pick it back up. So this canal went around all that stuff. But it's believed that the amount of effort put into building this 12-mile-long canal was not equivalent to the amount of time it was in use. That the 36 years was a really short time for something with so much effort put forth to, to you know, just disregard it. It was replaced by a lock and dam system, and the dam was completed in 1913. The locks weren't completed until after that. Well, if I had to guess, I would say that maybe it wasn't even about the time, but the money spent. I mean, that sounds like something where, you know, you're getting a lot of uh, tax revenue for this big project, and then probably not spending it all on the project. Yeah. 
Could be. That happens a lot in the United States. Definitely so. true. <laughs> it's like, why is this thing taking so long? It's like, I don't know. I guess maybe we better uh, hike up and, you know, create a new uh, tax. Right. For the, the canal. Like, we we just got to, we got to introduce some more uh, taxes to help cover the canal expenses. Like, look, this is going to be, be beneficial for everyone. It's like the fucking sound transit system <laughs> yeah. up in Washington. I mean, like, when is that actually happen? When is that going to happen? Um, still happening. It's still happening, and it's and it's been billions and billions of dollars in the and making. Years, and years, years. I mean, just taken forever. So when you think about it in that context, it's like, yeah, that's just like the government basically ripping off the American people, the American taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that's, my that's, thought. It's what they do. It's what they do. It is what they do. As I said. Most of what the mud flood theory seems to be is people looking at history and picking apart discrepancies or finding certain events that one would expect to be heavily reported, underreported, or not reported. An example of this is an event that took place on May 19, 1790. According to George Washington's journal, which had the date of May 18th on it, quote, heavy and uncommon kind of clouds, dark and at the same time bright, and reddish, kind of light intermixed with them, brightening and darkening alternately. This continued till afternoon when the sun began to appear. The wind in the morning was easterly. After that, it got to the westward, unquote. That event, which is said to have lasted about two or three hours, is an event where it just went dark in the middle of the day. Not for a few minutes that an eclipse happens, but it was dark for two or three hours for no discernible reason. The animals that normally went to sleep at night, such as livestock, like the chickens and shit, they went to roost. The cows went back to their cow beds or whatever the hell. They heard owls and stuff out. It was as if it was nighttime. And then afternoon, it just picked right back up and everything was fine. Yeah, and I think I've heard about this before. That was the first I'd heard about it. And apparently, it's difficult to find much information on it that was contemporary information. It just wasn't heavily reported. Act of God. Something. <laughs> and now this, again, I mean, this, this is going to the historical information being wrong or not reported or brushed under the rug. There are some different theories as to where the actual flood came from. Sometimes it's believed to be a natural phenomena. Others believe it to be some kind of weapon, some sort of energy weapon that creates the, the mud flood. That goes back to the controller theory where this person in charge is, for some reason, making these floods to keep human technology and knowledge down. He's a suppressive person, this controller. Yeah, he's not cool. He's he's a very controlling no. fella. Yeah, what a dick. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be very angry if we have food replicator technology and he has somehow suppressed that. Uh, I bet that he has because, oh, man, I mean, wouldn't that be nice? I just had to spend all this time making my lunch and 
the idea that I could have just been like computer. Earl Grey, hot. Or right. whatever. Turkey yeah, sandwich. Yeah, no. Cold. Something. Shoyu I don't know. Ramen with soft boiled eggs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that angers me because I, I really, really, more than any other technology, I want a goddamn food replicator. And so if I find out the co- the controller has been keeping us from having that technology right now. There will be hell to pay. There will be. Well, one thing I've noticed when I was reading and uh, listening to, there's not a, actually a whole lot to read on Mud Flood Theory. It's there's a wide variety of YouTube videos covering oh, yes. the subject. <laughs> Quite a few. And over and over, it would be just a whole like montage of pictures showing buildings that had windows that were underground. And it had pictures of the Sphinx before it was excavated, how it was like buried up to its head. And it was just some way, I guess, of uh, proving that, you know, obviously these uh, mud floods have been happening because why else would we have to excavate ancient ruins? Why are they all buried under the ground? And even in in more modern structures, stuff from like early 19th century, why does it seem like they're half buried under the ground? Uh, it would just, you know, have all sorts of little, like, point arrows pointing to, like, look, look at these windows. Like, they're full-length windows, and why can you only see, like, two inches of them at street level? Clearly, at some point, they were meant to be completely above ground. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. A lot of the pictures that I saw were of the outsides of the buildings, and so it's really hard to tell if they were, in fact, full-length windows. Yes, it, it it would show stuff on on hills and like you you could see like side you know when they were on a sidewalk and then there's like a gap between the sidewalk and the windows and that the windows went all the way down. Oh, I see. When you could view it from a certain angle, and there's probably a lot of theories of a, a, about why somebody might have their windows that way. They might just want to let some light into their basement. Also. Stuff sinks, and I've got a couple articles that I found on why exactly that happens, and why do we always have to if we are looking for stuff from ancient ancient times, ancient cities, and relics why why are they always buried? Well, I can see in a lot of the oldest places are places that are desert egypt uh babylon right. uh the babylon was in is is in present day Iraq those places are deserts. And so there's going to be a lot more shit in the wind, more particulates, uh-huh. more sand in the wind there than in some place like that's not a desert, you know? I mean, it's just <laughs> there's not a lot of shit holding the ground down out there. There isn't. Yeah, so it's not a, a stable ground. And that's basically the exact answer when it comes to, you know, why why was the Sphinx buried? Well, because it's a desert, there's sand, and there's wind. And so just over the centuries, the wind uh, sweeping the sand around changes the topography. Oh, yeah. Even in deserts in America, I've been to Arizona before. 
and just being in the cities, in the modern-day cities there, it's fucking dusty. When I was there, it was the 90s, and so I was wearing Jinkos. And if uh, you guys, well, some of you may be too young to know exactly what Jinkos are, but they were the pants where the leg openings were big. Massive. And the pant legs were also massive. So you had, like, between a, like, 20 and, like, 40-inch leg opening that went all the way up your legs. And so it was dirty up to your thighs walking around the desert cities. <laughs> Stovepipe jeans. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. Also, flooding will cause topography changes the silt from riverbeds and then there's flooding and the river the water levels rise and the silt tends to get left behind that can happen quite a lot we just spoke about when we were talking last last episode talking about bigfoot i talked about how fossils were were made and right. it, it's a very similar it's pretty much the same thing it floods it brings in the silt the silt stays floods again and over and over it just gets it, it keeps adding layers yes and there's definitely places where it floods every single year sometimes several times a year so oh yeah where i live it floods almost every single year uh the the valley oh, yeah. the valley gets flooded and i mean it fucks up the road that always floods it does so you can see how maybe a hundred years from now, maybe the uh, topography where you live is is going to look slightly different. Or two hundred years from now, it's gonna it's gonna have differences because of all the valley flooding. Yeah, the valley will get higher and higher up. There's also actual mudslides that occur. Not mud oh yeah, floods, but mudslides that should happen around here all the time. Yeah. The ground gets saturated. It's just too heavy. All that mud, literally mud and trees and whatever's in the ground, and it the earth just breaks away. And remember, there was that one. What was the city? The Oso. Oh remember yeah, that? yeah. That was like what Where four or five it, years yeah. ago. That was yeah, awful. That was, that was terrible. It just basically took out. There's like this really tiny town in Washington State, and there was a mudslide, and it killed a lot of people. Yeah, fucked, and it was hard for people to get there because it destroyed roads. It was, it was a, mm -hmm. it was a really a disaster. Yeah, it was a terrible mudslide, and it just and people had no warning. It was just like, dude, it happened in less than a minute. Just the ground just went out and slid, and just burst through people's homes and killed a bunch of people it was terrible and even in closer to the main area like into into the city type areas uh, novelty hill road just kind of started falling apart started yeah. like half of it started falling just slumping down the hill and if you go out on 203 there is a part where the road is falling off into the down the hill and so there's only one lane open you can't even drive a car on it it's yeah it's fucked because i mean it's the only way it's the only way to get kind of around on on the side of the valley that we're on yeah and i remember seeing all the signs saying you know like trucks couldn't you know no trucks were allowed up oh yeah because the road is just literally falling apart so and they don't want a big heavy ass truck coming along and going down <laughs> yeah 
be the straw that broke the camel's back. But yeah. yeah. So you look at the houses that were in Oso in the in the mudslide. Uh, those got buried pretty well. And if nobody like dug any of it out, like a hundred years from now, somebody could be coming along and be like, "Oh, look at these houses under the under the ground, under the mud. How did that happen?" Well, that was just Mother Nature and bad luck is how that happened. Oh yeah, I mean, if that were to happen seventy-five years ago, a hundred years ago, then there wouldn't be. It's possible there wouldn't be anyone to help. No one would know what happened, and so it would just. It would be like Pompeii. Yeah. It would just be gone, and no one would know about it. And suddenly, one day, God knows how many years later, how many decades or centuries later, it would become upon. Like, wow, why is this fucking house underground or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Pompeii is a great example. Yeah. It was buried in volcanic ash and some lava and stuff, too, obviously. But a lot of it was was ash. Nobody knew about where it was or what happened for thousands of years before all of a sudden, like, wait a second. Were they? I think they were digging out a sewer or something like that. Something. They were like, wait, what, yeah, what's all this down? Yeah, kind of construction. Yeah, what's all this down here? Like, oh, yeah, here's that city that kind of just disappeared from uh, the history books. Yeah. A few thousand years ago. Yeah. All sorts of explanations. So, to summarize what I was, the point I was trying to get across was that I think a lot of this is just done because of nature and then people. Uh, yeah, I I finally just had to kind of Google like why why are why do cities sink and like why do we have to dig so deep to find stuff to find older cities and buildings because. Although I found a lot of people saying that mud flood theory was ridiculous, I couldn't find a huge amount. Like, but but what's the actual explanation for this? For all this stuff that they're landing on, saying that this is proof of the mud floods. Uh, what 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 are the actual facts to uh, say that? Like, no, this is just naturally occurring or because of man. So. In my searches, I found a couple of articles. Uh, one is, why do we have to dig so deep to uncover ancient ruins? And that is from sciencefocus.com by Louise Villazon. And here is an excerpt from it. The ground level of ancient cities tended to steadily rise. Settlements constantly imported food and building materials for the population, but getting rid of waste and rubbish was a much lower priority. Newer houses were built on top of the ruins of old ones because hauling rubble away was labor-intensive and it was much easier to simply spread it out and build straight on top. River, rivers periodically flooded and added a layer of silt, while in dry regions the wind was constantly blowing in sand and dust. When ancient towns were abandoned entirely, plant seeds quickly took root and created more bulk from the CO2 they pulled from the air. Their roots stabilized and the soil created from rotting plant matter and the layers gradually built up. Which I found pretty interesting. Actually. Yeah, definitely. So it's easy to like build up layers of ground on top of abandoned cities once like the you know the vegetation has kind of retaken it. Well it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, you hear about when Rome fell and the the day or the the times following that 
as different Roman structures fell into disrepair, the people living in the area would simply use those pieces on the new things. So any blocks or remaining timber or anything like that, they would just sort of incorporate into their new houses or new buildings or new or new whatever they were making. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, makes perfect sense. When you put it like that. <laughs> perfect sense to me. Uh, there's also a, an excerpt from an article uh, from The Economist. This was from February 22nd, 2017, by just initials here, A-A-K. Ack. And it's Ack, yes, by Ack. The gradual subsidence of most cities has several causes, both man-made and natural. It starts with hundreds of millions of people migrating to urban centers in search of better jobs and higher standards of living. This puts pressure on certain pockets of the planet to keep up with the intensified demands for basic human sustenance. The indiscriminate use of groundwater, a scourge of rapidly expanding cities, is a prime contributor. Dried-up lands compress under their own weight, and in this sense... It costs too little to sink two wells and pump up the precious stuff at will. In America, groundwater extraction without commensurate recharge is responsible for 80% of subsidence. In China, more than 50 cities have subsided because of heedless pumping. So creating, uh, so, you know, pumping water and, and groundwater running under the city and all the infrastructure we have to create to have uh like sewage and clean drinking water actually causes a lot of sinkage that makes sense also because you're burrowing under the city under under the ground basically yeah, yeah so exactly and eventually that causes things to sink and there's things like well Seattle how Seattle caught on fire once and they just built Mm -hmm. a new Seattle on top of the old Seattle. So you can go and take an underground tour of old Seattle and there are buildings with windows and everything completely underground. Yes. And so I was just kind of looking to see what exactly, how exactly I could put into words why this is just a thing that happens. And just because you walk down to in downtown Seattle and you see a building where the windows clearly go, under the ground, but the sidewalk level is, you know, much higher than the the window level, and you can tell it was originally meant to be at ground level or above ground, and now it is underground. That's not evidence of some controller <laughs> waving his wand and and putting putting uh, these floods of mud to bury everything and all of our technology with it. That's just shit that happens. And you would think that, I mean, regardless of how it happens, you would think that we would notice. Yeah. But I guess we we don't. Just as new construction happens, I guess it's just so gradual that we don't notice. Or, or maybe if you're working in one of these buildings that is slowly sinking, you do notice. If you worked there for 15 years and you remember when you could completely see out the window, but now you have to stand on your tippy toes or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's... There's the burying of a city because of some, you know, big event like a a, a mudslide earthquake. or a, a really bad flood, an earthquake, and then 
there's the gradual sinking of cities because of the reasons I just explained, like, you know, tunneling under there for uh, sewage processing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in order to try to tap into groundwater and provide fresh water and for houses and then need more and more and more as the city expands. And also, as it gets bigger, then that's more weight that's put on the earth. So, yeah, it can be very gradual. But when you look at something from you know, a hundred years ago, you can see it clearly, but probably in the hundred years kind of leading up to the, the change, nobody really would have noticed year to year. Oh, yeah. And I mean, another thing is we think of the earth as, as unyielding, as, as the where we're standing. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it moves back and forth during earthquakes and stuff, but it's, it's not subject to weight when in fact that's not true. Right. The ice caps, they are physically keeping land pushed down into the ocean they are in greenland as the ice caps recede it's physically moving up out of the water some because it doesn't have so much weight on it at this Mm -hmm. point in human history all of the stuff we have made weighs more than everything else on the planet Mm mm-hmm which is pretty fucking well, crazy. We make a lot of stuff. We yeah. make a lot of stuff. And that, I mean, that includes buildings and stuff. But if ice, if all of the ice can keep land submerged, then easily building all of these giant concrete things could be would be doing something very similar. Right. Slowly but surely, pushing things down. That's right. Speaking of keeping things down... Now let's talk a little bit about Tartaria, or Tartary. This is a supposed ancient civilization, not even ancient civilization, but older civilization that kind of goes hand in hand with mud flood theory. Again, again, this goes back to more our history being altered than it does mud covering stuff. It's, I guess, metaphoric mud. You can see on old maps, you can go find an old fucking map, and you can see Mm -hmm. that in the area of Central Asia, it's called Tartary, T-A-R-T-A-R-Y, or sometimes Tartaria, uh, Great Tartary or Tartaria, there's all kinds of names on it. As time progresses, and as Western, mainly Western, because this is all mainly Western maps, Western explorers get to know more and more of this area, they start calling it different names. You see things like Chinese Tartary or Russian Tartary and things like that. And eventually the name Tartary or Tartaria just sort of disappears. According to Wikipedia and a few other sources, Tartary was a blanket term for Central Asia. That's, that's all it was. However, there are some that believe that these maps are proof that history was rewritten. Tartaria was supposedly this great civilization whose influence spanned the planet. All of the cool things that were built were built by them. So remember earlier, I was talking about how the buildings all looked very similar? Well, that's because they were of Tartarian design. Oh. Yeah. I have a question. Did tartar sauce come from Tartaria? I don't know. Because tartar sauce is pretty fucking amazing. So. Tartar sauce is pretty good. I don't, I mean, 
I can see how that being some advanced civil, like advanced civilization ass shit that they made. I'll say yes. <laughs> Tartar sauce okay. is is made was made by the Tartarians. It's their national sauce. All right, because I was just wondering. I mean, it's just an unusual name, Tartar sauce. True. So I mean, it just makes sense that it would have come from this great civilization. That's where the name came from. Checks out for me. The sauce of the Tartars. Yeah. Well, all of the cool things built all over the world were built by them. So pyramids. You know how pyramids are all very similar. The ones in Egypt. You got the ones in South America and Central America. You know, the ziggurats and stuff. They're all very... You're like, yeah, these are all fucking things that are built in following these kind of rules, you know? They're always astronomical in some way. And they're mm-hmm. placed very precisely, and it's, you know, a difficult task. And so they say that that's Tartaria, the Great Wall, built by Tartarians, the Erie Canal, built by Tartarians. The list goes on and on. Gobucky Tebli probably was built by Tartarians. Some believe that all of these architectural works, the one I mentioned in, you know, Others as well were built before the technology in our accepted chronology existed. So an easy one to talk about, because the older the thing, the easier it is to prove this point. How were the pyramids made without things like cranes? Things like dump trucks and shit like that, right? Well, that was alien technology. Yes, that was alien technology. Uh, We just, we've been watching Stargate, actually. Tartarians. I mean, that, that's what they say. It's, it's Tartarians, obviously. It's Tartarians. I think maybe it was alien technology. Maybe the controller doesn't want us to know about aliens. And now, maybe. Probably not. And now, the part where the chronology is different is that Tartaria, there was a war against Tartaria. The War of 1812 and the Napoleonic Wars are a couple wars against that. It's Apparently, there was some sort of energy weapon unleashed in the War of 1812. I don't know. But those were wars against the Tartarians to get rid of their culture for some reason. I'm not I'm not really sure why. From what I had read the that they were I mean they're an advanced largely altruistic civilization. And they lived more as a part of Earth as opposed to as a blight upon Earth. So they lived in a way that didn't create as much waste as we do. They used biodegradable things. and Well, there's no place for that. <laughs> there's no place for that. <laughs> we can't have that going on. And so eventually, they were, they were wiped out, and it, their, their culture was hidden. And they built these architectural works. The chronology was then altered to say they were built at these different times to cover up the Tartarians. I see. So that the pyramids are not as old as we think they are. That's right. They were they were built a lot more recently by the Tartarians. We then like Napoleon then was like fuck these guys and we wanted them gone and so that happened in the 1800s. And then everyone went back and said, no, these pyramids are actually thousands of years old. Something like that. It's, uh, I think it's more that we are sooner than, or we're, we're, we're not 
as far along as we expect to be. So, well, let's just, uh, Anatoly Fomenko is a Russian mathematician. He believes that the history before the 11th and 14th centuries were just written wrong because those writing the history couldn't do it accurately. They didn't have good mechanisms to tell time and date, so it was largely all estimated. It's also possible that they did it on purpose. They purposefully changed things. Um, and then also, anything before that time, we don't really... I mean, a lot of the shit's been destroyed. Writings were rarer then. They didn't have things like the printing press and all of that. So people had to physically rewrite this shit. He also puts forth the belief that the letter I or J was used as some sort of BCAD or BCECE thing. So the dates written were then mistranslated. For instance, 376 years after Jesus would be I or J 376. It's possible if it was an uppercase I or if J's and uppercase I's at the time looked the same, it looked like 1376. I see. Yeah, and so they just kind of fucked it up that way. Fomenko believes that pre-Renaissance history was written by a group of people under the watchful eye of the Catholic Church and other Christian leaders at the time. It was a history retcon, and they did it to plant evidence to corroborate shit in the Bible. Of course, it always comes to the Bible. Right. There was a French Christian scholar named Joseph Scaliger who wrote some books in the 16th century. The idea back then was that Greece and Rome were the oldest civilizations, and it completely ignored that Persia, Babylon, and Egypt were doing things at the same time, and actually had been doing things for longer. It also, I mean, they knew about the history of the Jews as told in the Bible, but they, they sort of put it as a separate thing. For some reason, they didn't, probably racism. They didn't view right. the Jewish history and then this classical history of Greece and Rome as the same, I guess. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say that it's like, well, they don't count. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, they're not, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to go important. with a more European thing here, fellas. <laughs> well, this guy sort of brought all of these civilizations into the fold. So he put into chronology the Persians, Babylonians, Egyptians, the Romans, the Greeks, the Jews, or Israelis, I guess as they were called at the time, all of those different groups they, he, he kind of brought into one history. said, no guys, this is world history, instead of world history only being Greece and Rome. White guys in laurels. Why guys? Why gay guys in laurels, actually? <laughs> there was a lot of uh, homosexuality in Greece and Rome. Fomenko really focuses on this guy's writings, believing him to be the main author of this rewritten history, or as we call it, history. He also puts forth the idea that the more lazy scholars would just use events current to them to make stories in this new history. Fomenko says the history between the 3rd and 11th centuries are just variations on events that occurred between the 13th and 17th centuries written by the historians at the time. He also believes that the Bible, read by Christians worldwide, was written in a similar fashion, but are revisions of events that took place between the 11th and 14th centuries. 
One example of this refers to the part in the Bible where the Jews in the kingdom of Judah were held captive by Babylon for 70 years. It's called the Babylonian captivity, or the Babylon captivity, one of the two. This was supposed to have taken place in 6th century BCE. According to Fomenko, this is an event that took place in 1309 to 1376, just rewritten. And this is when the popes lived in Avignon, in France, instead of in Rome. And it was just because the French were being swinging their balls around, and so they had the Catholic had they had the Catholic head there. This period of time is actually in history sometimes referred to as the Babylon or Babylonian captivity of the papacy. So for him to make that correlation is pretty easy since it was already called the thing from the Bible because of how similar right. the two stories were. He is just saying that it's because the story in the Bible was made up from this Avignon period in the papacy. Fomenko is a mathematician, and so using math is how he using math he made calculations based on astronomical charts to come up with this new chronology. What he found is that certain events that supposedly happened in the time of Jesus didn't happen in the time of Jesus, but did happen a thousand years later, making the time of Jesus 1000 CE instead of, you know, zero. I see. So if I understand what he's saying, that means we were actually in the year 1021 CE. Why this was done? Accidental, maybe. Perhaps it was because, I mean, some believe it's, it's, Again, back to the Bible, some people believe that it's the Antichrist trying to defeat Jesus, trying to keep make Jesus someone we don't know about. It's kind of a like new world order taking over the old world order, I guess. I see. So the controller is the devil. Or the Antichrist. The Antichrist and the devil, I believe, are, are different entities. Oh, okay. Well... The controller is a biblical person who is bad, who wants to make us forget about Jesus. Possibly. Sort of. Possibly. In this one could context, be. but then it could be. he also is a suppressor of technology. Yeah, I mean. food replicators. Probably food replicators. Could be. It's all, yeah. uh, again, this whole, they don't just lay everything out in a nice linear no. fashion. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's not even as well put together as, as like the JFK investigation. It's not. It's not a easy to follow conspiracy, and I'm sure. Well, I mean, JFK. That is way easier to follow than this. Well, it's it's more linear. You've got there's people who have mapped out the time thing. I mean, there's not a lot of mm-hmm. of of odd things that just have no real connection. But it's just sort of oh well. There, con- I mean, there is a connection, but it's it they're they're weird connections. It's a lot of these sorts of things can sound like they make a lot of truth if you believe a few bits of it. If you just suspend disbelief on a couple things, you can really see where everything goes and it like you know blows your mind and stuff. But then it, some of these base points are not true, and they right. are oftentimes said they're true because of reasons like, oh, they're hiding the truth from you. 
that sort of thing. Something that you can't prove. You can't prove they're hiding the truth of this. This tends to fall under the category of convenient theories for you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean... Kind of however you want to shape it, you can you can have this whole narrative that's just, you know, very uh, specific and detailed to one or two certain events, but that doesn't mean it connects to, like, this giant web. conspiracy. This, yeah. Yeah, this giant web of conspiracy. All this stuff is just so... I don't know. I mean, the whole idea, like, okay, well... We, Jesus was actually born. It was actually like you know, one thousand instead of zero. I mean, if it's saying it echoes events that happened a thousand years after Jesus, I mean, one could. The simplest argument I have for that is that history repeats itself. Well, what he's saying about that, it's like the it's about the astronomical charts. That's what he's saying is that some certain celestial events that are said to have happened in certain parts of the Bible did not happen at the time that was supposed to happen. So say there's something that happened in 400 BCE. Well, uh-huh. like a comet he, or something. Yeah. Like a comet or something. It doesn't matter. A, 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 an eclipse, uh, anything, mm-hmm. just some sort of celestial event that was you know, reported by, you know, all over the place. You, you knew it happened except that it didn't happen when he goes back and looks at astronomical charts and uses math, he mm-hmm. finds that they couldn't have happened then. And then, but they actually happened a thousand years later. So instead of it happening in 400 BCE, it happened in like 600 CE. And right. so that moves Although... everything up. And so it's not, it's not, yeah, it's just because the controller. I would still argue that that's something that happens repeatedly though. Eclipse hap- eclipses happen repeatedly. Eclipses do, but I mean, I, I don't know if I, I don't know what the celestial event was, so I, I can't I can't say. But it, 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 perhaps it's something that doesn't repeat itself. Uh, you know, a, a fucking star dying or something. I don't know. A, a, an event that happens one time. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know exactly what it was. You can read. He's written books about this, and you can read yeah. these books, but they get fucking complicated because he's a mathematician. Yes. He's still alive. He's a mathematician. Mm-hmm. He's a very smart man. But I just, you know, I think he's wrong about the beards, basically. Yeah, and I, I just, the, the whole letter I, capital I, before the number, I seems like that would have been picked up on. If we can decipher Egyptian hieroglyphs and stuff like that, surely maybe we would have picked it up that they are, that this was a style of writing at the time and it's it seems like a lot of this really goes back and forth between accident and on purpose you know so it's and maybe i just am misunderstanding everything but it seems that it contradicts itself quite a bit well yeah i mean like i said the guy's like honing in on like certain things but I don't know who's to say that it didn't happen a thousand years before. Maybe it just wasn't recorded or maybe it happened a thousand years later and that was misrecorded somehow. But or the astronomical charts are perhaps or perhaps the astronomical charts are off. You know, that could happen in in his 
theory, he states that the reason he thinks history is wrong is because of how difficult it was to get it right back then. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because you couldn't look at your phone that's connected to a goddamn, you know, satellite, the the atomic clock. So it's always exactly Mm -hmm. on. So everyone's phone and is always on the exact right time, or at least on the right time in relation to one another. You don't need to, you know, synchronize your watches anymore like you used to do in old gangster movies or old heist movies. Right. Now you just make sure your cell phone is on and you can see the time because it's going to be the right time. <laughs> Didn't have that then. So how can you say that but then believe in astronomical charts? It seems to be very cherry-picky of stuff. Right. And now again... I feel like- I didn't read his fucking book, so I don't I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'm just taking what I read and drawing the wrong conclusions. I don't know. For me it just feels like there's like a theory, you know, here is this theory and you're just kind of like pulling from all these you know, yeah, you're just literally like cherry picking all these different things to create this narrative that somehow lines up with this idea that you're convinced of. So, I mean, <laughs> a lot of the websites I read, I mean, they on articles and stuff, they they read like that too. They would start bringing evidence and showing pictures and just not giving you any context, just evidence, just see how all right. of this really is and then mm-hmm. asking like questions like do you think that's really how it happened and then and then here's this map and then they they just start doing, you know, Tartary and they bring that out and they're like, "Oh man, but then there's all these you know, here's a different alternate histories and chronology and different things and then there's this giants and I mean, it's just it's, and look it's, at these fucking windows. Oh my god. Yeah, look at these windows fucking like windows, that. you guys. Uh, it's it's just uh they it obviously talks about the Nephilim as well. Everything talks about the Nephilim. You know, they bring all of this stuff in and it just it's weird. It is weird. I don't necessarily believe in any sort of mud flood thing. I don't think that the whole world could be bamboozled into that sort of thing. I know that a dark age can occur and people can lose knowledge and they can lose technology. It yes. happened. It's happened a couple times. There was, I think, the third century collapse. Or no, there, there's the Bronze Age collapse and like the, there's something that happened that happened in the third century. Maybe it's the same thing. But then there was also uh, the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. It was literally dark then, yes, but it was also dark culturally and knowledge-wise because the light of Rome was gone, and right. people in the far reaches lost knowledge. The UK lost knowledge, and you know a lot of these places. That's why they went into a dark age. There's not a lot of writing. There wasn't a lot of light in any way. And it just took a lot of time before it caught back up again. But that was also just in Western Europe, because at that time, there wasn't a Dark Ages in, like, the Middle East. It was because of Islam that we were pulled out of the Dark Ages. That's where we got, that brought us into the fucking Renaissance. We went, Mm -hmm. uh, the Western Europeans went and crusaded because of the Lord and stuff. And they brought back things like forks and medicine and Yes. The number system that we use to this fucking day. Yeah. So. Little things like that. You know. As far as a worldwide dark age, it would have to be, I think, quite a cataclysm. Sure. 
if the whole world is enveloped in a nuclear winter, I can see something like that. But there would be evidence of that. Of course, in this particular theory, they're saying there is evidence of that, but they're hiding it from us. And they're hiding it from us by telling us it's something else. I just can't believe it. No, I would believe I'm, I'm... Hollow Earth over Mud Flood. Yes. And Mud Flood is something that is um, kind of widely accepted by those that are flat earthers. Yes, which is a another nother... very strange, <laughs> strange theory. Maybe we'll talk about it one day. Maybe we won't. <laughs> it's like we went through a whole big thing way back in history about this. <laughs> I know, right? It was a whole big deal trying to prove to everyone that the Earth was not flat, and now you want to go back, huh? They really do. They, uh, they really do. And it, it did... does bring some interesting questions to, thought, to, to, to mind, like, what really is in Antarctica? Because Antarctica's a weird place. You know, Admiral Byrd allegedly flew to the hollow Earth from there. <laughs> is it a hollow, flat Earth with mud floods? And a concave moon? With a conca convex Jupiter? I don't know. Is it banana-shaped? That's what Sir Bedivere said in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's not an orange, it's a banana. It's true. If you do want to find out more about mud flood theory, there is a book that kind of came up over and over again. And that is entitled Mud Flood 101, a primer on mud theory. This is by Jacob Vigil, a.k.a. Tim Osman. And Tim Osman is a big um, proponent of flat earth theory. So, oh, I see. So now he's written a book about mud flood. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, read on it. Yeah. It's available on Amazon. And I'm sure probably their website as well, but I doubt you can find it in bookstores. I was actually looking for the David Pilates books in a few bookstores and realized that I'm not going to find those in bookstores. You got to go to his website. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I looked on Amazon and like 100 bucks, like that's cool and all. But if you go to his website, they're like 30 or 35. So it's more reasonable. But yeah, I looked at several of the used bookstores around here and couldn't find any. And then in the new bookstores, I obviously couldn't find them there. But for good reason, because again, he only sells them on the website. So. Yeah. I think that's all we have for you on the theory of mud flood. And thank you very much for listening. As you know, you can find us any place that you're liable to find us. If you can at stranger than or stranger than podcast, we would like listener stories. Listener stories are lovely. You can send them to stranger than podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'd like to do a listener story episode. You know, we don't have to read your name. We can, if you'd like, but we'd like to read some stories, uh, alien abductions. Uh, yeah, have you met Bigfoot? Um, seen Is a ghost? Is your house haunted? Is your house haunted? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of haunted houses. Uh, you know, whatever. We would love to hear it. Check out the podcast syndicate. We are a part of Age of Radio at ageofradio.org. You can find us there at ageofradio.org slash stranger than. Here you can find many, many podcasts. And you can also find merchandise of different sorts i think uh and i think that's about it all right well stay strange everyone and we'll talk to you next time <laughs>